my name's Tina Waldrum. Welcome to the show. It's exciting to know that this podcast has helped thousands of people in Australia and around the world to share their faith. To be honest, I've not always been confident to share Jesus and I've made plenty of mistakes. Over the years of mistakes and through some great study, I've become a lot better at personal evangelism or personal witness as Americans may call it. Before we get into this week's episode, can I encourage you to come and join me inside my online course on Mission with God at Home, which is now on sale at 50% off until April 15th. If you've made your mistakes like me, but you still have a heart to share Jesus in ways that people can relate, then come and meet up with me in the course. I know I can help you and we can have a lot of fun doing it together. So go to onmissionwithgod.com for April 15th. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm speaking with Scott Hawkins about leading a church into the community. Welcome to you, Scott. Thanks, Tina. Good to see you again. Great to have you along. And now, Scott, what I love about your story is you've got decades of experience. Yeah, that's just a covert way of saying old. <laughs> well, you know, there. I guess there are different ways to see it, but you do have a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom, um, and been in a lot of spaces to kind of see things differently. So first of all, before we talk about leading a church into the community, which you do extremely well and on a level that I really don't see a lot of around, what is your ministry background? What type of experiences or positions of ministry have you been involved in? It has been quite a while, and um, <laughs> I think about 35 years of um, of full-time ministry, which has been wonderful and an exciting opportunity. Um, I was in, where was I? I was in a slum in Thailand and I was talking um, with some Aussies that were living there and I gave them my denominational background that I'd been, I think I started off in a Methodist church that became a uniting. I then went to an AOG church, then to um, a Baptist church. I did my theological training through a Baptist church. Uh, I was working at the time with the Salvation Army and then um, and then worked for the heads of churches of South Australia, went into an AOG church that became an ACC church, then started attending a C3 church, moved to Victoria where I was a part of the Churches of Christ and then started planting independent churches, um, am now a CRC minister. And she said, you're a real mongrel then, aren't you? And I thought, yes, I don't mind that title. I'll take on the title of mongrel. So, yes, I am a mongrel when it comes to uh, denominational ministry. I love that because th- there's wisdom in all those different spaces and I just love the richness that we get from hearing from people in all different spaces. It's unusual to have someone that's been in so many spaces. Or perhaps not wanted in any space long enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So at the moment you're at Urban Life in Melbourne and I'll have all of those links in the show notes for people to stay connected. But before this space, you were working uh, with compassion and saying yes to going back to leading a church was quite a big, a big commitment from you. Why say yes 
to the church that you're now leading? Why did you say yes? And how did that compassion and all of the rest of the experience help you say yes to that? Yeah, it's a it's a good and interesting question for for me to reflect on. There's been a long time in in paid ministry, and it's all been in local church or community or overseas aid and development, and was really enjoying my time with a overseas aid um, work with compassion, and had a role that suited my giftings, and I was working alongside pastors and churches and engaging with the church in the field, which honestly. If there's a model of church that I resonate with um, just so well and so easily, it's the um, it's the Compassion Church model in the field, which I think is just remarkable. The way that they are able to engage church ministry alongside of community aid and development um, with a global perspective and a care for the poor is just um, is just an amazing connection of how church can happen in such a wonderful way with very with very low resources too and was working in Melbourne um, helping to facilitate that from from our little office and it was it was really really good enjoying time meeting with pastors and oftentimes um, finding that as a as someone that they could confide in because I wasn't a part of their denomination. I held no position of authority over them. So it gave them a freedom to share stuff with me that perhaps they weren't able to share in other spaces. And it was really intimate and wonderful and a great opportunity. And out of that, there would fairly regularly come the opportunity of I'm moving on. Would you consider taking on a role in this church? And it never crossed my mind to leave compassion. It was, um, a job that I was really enjoying. At the same time, they gave me the freedom to um, plant some little micro churches in and around Melbourne, and I was enjoying participating in that as well. Um, and it was at one time when I was meeting with a pastor, we were sitting in a, um, well, it was a church, but it was also a cafe and a, um, and a community-based um, community centre and a bunch of other things. And we were sitting in the cafe there having a coffee, talking about the work of compassion. And he said, oh, he once again asked if I would consider coming on and taking on a, a church leadership role at his place. And I, I said fairly easily, no, I was very happy where I was. And, they, and he said, well, if you were ever tempted to come back into um, church-based ministry, what would it look like? And I hadn't considered that. And I said, well, I, I don't know. But as I looked around in this place, I, I thought if I was ever going to be tempted to come back into church-based ministry, it'd be something like this where church and community and aid and development and social enterprise all kind of work together pretty seamlessly. Now, I had no idea. I had immense respect for the senior minister that was there, she is awesome, still is and does a great work and uh, had no idea that she was considering finishing up. And eventually they uh, they had some chats and uh, I took on the role of their senior minister and it's uh, it's been really fantastic from then on. Yeah, and it's a really different expression of church and I think we're in a time where people are wanting to hear more and more, Scott, about different expressions, you know, and really being able to be in community spaces, be a part of 
aid and development. So I want to know how you're managing to do that because often I speak to leaders and we seem to spend most of our time in what we would call those weekend spaces. But I know you live really most of your time in the community spaces. How do you even lead a church like that? Well, there certainly are challenges and um, and urban life has had its challenges in that too. And, and I don't think we're unique. Um, there are lots of other churches doing um, amazing community-based ministry and some even in our local area. Um, and there are some that are far better resource than what we are to be able to do that on a much larger scale. And, uh, and that's exciting to see what they're able to do in their spaces too. But um, for us, it's more about thinking through what is the um, what is the connection between a local church gathering, um, local um, individual Christian people, and how we best live out the mission of Jesus in the community that God has placed us in, and what does that look like, and how do we imitate Jesus in the midst of all of that? When when I did eventually take on the role at Urban Life, I was talking with some friends and peers and they were sharing some of their challenges about how they were um, endeavouring to make their Sunday mornings more missional or something like that. And uh, and I kind of had this chuckle in the back of my mind as I thought, I've got exactly the reverse problem. I've got a community of people here who are deeply engaged in community mission and are struggling to remember why it is that uh, Sunday mornings is important. And uh, and if we can, is is it not church when we gather with the homeless and we pray with them and we eat with them and we commune with them and we worship in that way? Is that not church? Well, of course it is, but uh, it's not the only expression of church. And so to remember that the gathering of people for encouragement and um, and growth was also and worship was also important as well. So, yeah, I had the reverse problem where we had a church very engaged in. Monday to Saturday and having to remember how important Sunday was as well. Mm, what what a great problem. It's so unusual to actually hear someone that has to tackle that issue. So a couple of questions then. What do you actually do in the community? Tell me, because you're highly involved yourself as the key leader is highly involved. That's why I want to talk to you because you're actually doing it I know it's great. We want to mobilise people, but you're highly involved in the community yourself. Tell me a little bit about that. And then what does the actual Sunday gathering look like? Two good questions. Um, and our Sunday gathering has evolved over time and uh, and has had its ups and downs like any Sunday gathering has. And I also feel too that if, um, if I'm not prepared to have some skin in the game, how is it that I could ever challenge and encourage and ask people to um, to engage in mission and ministry that I thought was beneath me or too hard for me or not my theological uh, responsibility or whatever it might be. We are a community of people that are, have orientated ourselves towards uh, Jesus and his mission and try as best as we can to follow his example into the local community and with a particular focus uh, on those who find themselves in the margins. But not always. Sometimes we're engaged in the art spaces or the social enterprise spaces or the business spaces as well and see um, see the importance there too. But it was one homelessness week and we had struggled for some time to think about what a um, what an authentic um, 
response to homelessness in our local area might look like. And so during Homelessness Week, I decided that I would sleep in a box out the front of the church to try and gain some understanding of what it would be like to be homeless in our local area and had a sign up that clearly identified no need to give money because because uh, I'm not I'm not requiring it. I'm trying to gain an experience of it. But it was a hilarious experiment that proved to me I could never, ever understand what it's like to be homeless because the fact of the matter was I had a key to the church that I was parked out the front of and if it got too stormy or too dangerous, I could just walk in there and I'd have access to shelter. Um, that I did have a house and I had keys to a car that I could drive home to that house and have a shower and be dry. And and I did have a job and I did have income and I didn't have my children with me and I wasn't fearful for their safety. And I think the most important thing that I discovered was that I had resource and I had friendships and networks and relationships that I could call on. But most importantly, I had hope. That hope gave me a, a, a knowledge and an understanding that when I share that with home, my homeless friends, uh, they just that's what they lack the most. There is no hope in their situation. Their situation is simply not going to change. And, um, and as soon as they find themselves in that hopelessness, the experience of homelessness is very, very different. So I guess in my little experiment, I learned that I can't know what it is to be homeless. I can know what it is to be to feel unsafe or to be cold or to have some kind of a street camping experience, but I can't know what it's like to be homeless. And so we, um, we wanted to then have an expression of how do we care for people in that situation that ministers um, sensitively and, and respectfully and treats them with dignity and helps them to encounter hope in their situation again and you know you might look at a homeless person and you think the thing that they need the most is money or food or accommodation but um, what we learned was the thing they need most is hope and that hope comes through relationships relationships with other people initially um, and relationship with Jesus ultimately and and for us to be able to uh, help facilitate that in meaningful ways has been a real privilege and then to be able to engage our church community in that and then the broader community in that and other church communities in that has been really, really wonderful. Well, that's hard work though, isn't it? It is hard work. Like, of course, people need hope, but they need relationship. But at least you're leading your church into those spaces to be willing, but it's hard. Well, it can be. And, and there are challenges, there's no doubt. And the challenges are part of the fun of it as well. But I have to say, I'm not dragging a church kicking and streaming into these into these places. They are very willingly following as soon as the opportunity is presented before them. We, I am blessed with a community of people who are excited about the opportunity to engage with their neighbour in creative and meaningful ways and to love others as we love ourselves. It's half of the gospel. <laughs> yeah, but is leading, is you leading, like you're saying, you've got skin in the game, how important is it for a leader of a Christian community, whether that's small or large? How do you see that? You've, you've had lots of experience with church. Is it the deal breaker? Well, yes. And I'm trying to think of ways of saying yes that aren't disrespectful to other churches. But the answer is yes. 
a- absolutely. Um, to think that um, that I am somehow separate from um, those responsibilities um, is ludicrous. Um, to think that I am above those uh, things is clearly overstating my position uh, around the great banquet table that Jesus has placed us at. Uh, it is assuming a seat above my position, and uh, and I and I don't want to be doing that. We need to be people that are um, that are prepared to engage at all levels. And the ministers uh, that I love and admire the most, and my heroes of the faith, are people who have all gotten in there and done it themselves. And some of my heroes have even died doing it because of uh, because of their engagement in coalface ministry. We are going to replicate that which we demonstrate, not that which we talk about. And um, you can preach to your blue, but all you're going to replicate is other people who preach to their blue. Um, if, uh, if you want to see a community of people um, live out their faith in uh, in ways that have impact in the community and neighbourhoods around them, then you need to be demonstrating that in real and practical ways as well. That's not to say that you can do it all yourself. That's the other thing too. And very quickly, as soon as you tackle any of these wicked problems, you realise there that I can't do it myself and our church can't do it ourselves and our, even our community can't tackle these problems ourselves. In the, we can do what we can and we can be an exemplar for others um, and we can model Jesus. In fact, we can be little Jesus, as uh, as C.S. Lewis would put it, in our community and do that as responsibly and honestly and authentically as we can. But we can't be the solution to those things. Mm, that's a fabulous answer. Thank you. And thanks for being honest and gracious. Tell me about your Sunday gathering. What does that look like? Because I know it's important for you to say we, we've got to be both. It does matter. The Sunday gathering matters. And I'm loving that you're saying that. I just want to know what that looks like. Yeah, look, it's not terribly different to what you would find anywhere else. Um, you know, we sing songs and we worship. Sometimes when we've planted our micro churches, we, um, we haven't used music because um, we didn't have musicians. <laughs> and uh, we've done what we can with what we've got. And I think one of the biggest differences you would see in our community is that um, he's probably in who gathers, not what we do. Um, the mishmash of people that we have gather in our um, old nightclub, which is our is our church building at the moment, you know, which on a Sunday night can be a um, can be a homeless shelter on a on a Tuesday can be a drug rehab center on a uh, on a Friday is a meal for socially isolated people on Saturdays is an art space and on Sundays is a is a church space um, uh, we gather and and that's probably a difference um, I think we have a more conversational style and of um, of exploring scripture together and and it is highly appropriate to ask questions and to disagree and to um to wonder together and to um to uh, seek out what is being really said in the scriptures together um but my favorite part uh, i was sharing this with some people um just yesterday my favorite part of our service last sunday was the notices um which is 
fairly rare. But uh, last Sunday's notices, we had a notice about um, a youth activity that we were doing. We had a notice about some small groups that were starting up. We had a notice about our Easter worship gatherings and how we were going to coordinate them. We had a notice about um, uh, a refugee group that we've engaged with and um, a refugee family that we are looking after as a church community. We had a notice about volunteering with our homelessness program and a notice about uh, something else that was going on. And, um, and a celebration of some wider church activity that we've been a part of as well. And I just thought that was a great summary of the kind of celebration that we have. And so we, in, we engage in some things. We do, we do some liturgical stuff. We do some worship stuff. We do some uh, opening of scripture. And whether it's discussion or preaching or however that might come, we do that as well. And um, and we worship together, and mostly we drink coffee and enjoy each other's company and pray with each other and engage in each other's lives as much as possible. All right. Well, that paints a picture of uh, a very different scenario to many, I guess, church experiences that I myself have even had. But it sounds like you are a community of believers that are genuinely trying to just reflect Jesus every day in all spaces of the community. Is that what your your people think that's what they're existing for? Yeah, absolutely, yes. We, we do that very imperfectly, but um, absolutely, yes. Uh, the, the theme that, we've, that, we're, that we're running with this year, the, the scripture that we're um, holding close to our heart or keeping at the forefront of our mind for this year is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or um, with righteousness or to live righteously, however you would translate that, depending on your favorite um, version of scripture, and then to expect that God will provide for our needs in the midst of all of that. And we've opened that up and discussed that and talked about what that means and um, and the the thought of seeking first the kingdom of God, we've we've really explored what does that look like for us? What does that mean for us to seek first the kingdom of God? Because as I've traditionally been brought up and had that preached to me, or um, uh, have that explained to me, or as many commentators would suggest, is that the word first should apply to the kingdom of God, and kingdom of God is sometimes translated kingdom of heaven. Uh, which is sometimes shortened to just heaven. So seek first heaven um, and make heaven your first priority is um, is the way some would want to interpret that. I think that's a pretty poor translation or interpretation of, of that scripture. Others would want to say in seeking first the kingdom of God, the first things that you have to do when you wake up are kingdom of God activities before you start doing your own activities. But I don't see the kingdom of God in that way either. I don't think we can separate out anything we do from um, from God's action if we are uh, genuinely seeking him as his disciples and followers. So to seek first the think kingdom of God, I think the, the first part actually applies to the seeking rather than making sure when you wake up, you pray and read your Bible before you go to work. Um, I think the first thing that we need to do when we encounter a situation or, or, or when we come across a person is to, first of all, seek 
and seek the kingdom of God in that situation? Or where is the kingdom of God at work in this person's life? And how might I engage with them? So whether that's with, on Saturday, we had a um, a group that was celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And, and uh, so we had an arts festival in our backyard. And, and I was um, talking with some people that had come along to be a part of that community celebration. Um, where is the kingdom of God at work in this? Um, how might I be able to, where might I see the kingdom of God at work in this place? Or the night before, when we had a community meal for um, a whole bunch of um, socially isolated people, some homeless, some um, who are isolated for medical reasons, some who are isolated for mental health issues or, or whatever it is that their circumstance, to be able to sit down and eat a meal with them and talk to them about their life, but to first of all seek where is the kingdom of God at work in your life so that I can amplify that, um, so that I can highlight that, so that I can encourage that or ask questions around that or um, be of some support to what the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God is engaging in your world as well. And so by seeking first that and then living righteously or living ethically myself as as imperfectly as I do, but as best as I can, um, then expecting that in the midst of all of that, in my under-resourced nature, in my under-educated way or in, in my own... Um, fumbling and bumbling along in life that God would provide me with what I need when we connect with the kingdom of God in this. So whether it's a kid who um, who has been in the um, out-of-home care sector that I was talking with who had been abandoned because he turned 18 and there were no more government supports left for him and he didn't know what he was going to do and was um, asking about checking out homelessness services to find out what the kingdom of God was doing there and to be able to get him alongside of somebody that will be a great mentor for him and be able to show, you know, all is not lost in your circumstance. There are people that want to um, come around you and to be able to see where some of his skills and excitement and interests were and be able to connect them with other people and um, be able to see God at work in his life just to even do the initial steps of that was wonderful to see how God provided for us in the midst of that. So, yeah, just some living examples of what it means for us to seek first the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God looks like in its upside-down nature and to live as ethically and righteously as we can uh, into God's own righteousness and then to expect his provision for those things where our resources just wouldn't match the situation. Just incredible. What a great explanation and some insight on that. I just love that. And I can do that, Scott. I can actually go into situations. You're giving me something that an everyday person could do and try and seek the kingdom of God in those situations. So this has been really wonderful. I'm going to drop in all the links so that you can stay connected to Scott and kind of have a little bit of your own digging of what they're doing at Urban Life, urbanlife.org.au. So we've been talking about leading a church into the community and I really pray today that this has been helpful for you as the listener. There's some ideas that maybe you could chat with your own friends around or, or your own church leadership or Christian community. So Scott, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Tina. Great to hang out again. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out onmissionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time.